learned all too well last year, everything in Pittsburgh hinges on having a healthy Ben Roethlisberger. Rolling right through our State of the Team series. I am your host, Michael Beller, joined by Derek Van Riper, DVR. How you doing today? Doing pretty well, Beller. How you doing? I'm good, man. This is uh, a team that I think a lot of people are going to have some high hopes for. Uh, we typically do have high hopes for the Pittsburgh Steelers in the fantasy community and in the NFL at large. So let's talk some Steelers. Let's bring on our Steelers beat writer, Mark Cabali. Mark, thanks for joining us. Hey, I appreciate you having me talking some ball and some fantasy football. Can't get any better than that, huh? You know, it really, really can't, and uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be an interesting team this year. As we said, this is a team that always has registered in the minds of fantasy owners for at least as long as the Ben Roethlisberger tenure has existed. Of course, Roethlisberger uh, basically missed all of the 2019 season, and we saw what happened to that team without him. The offense really cratered, Roethlisberger suffering the elbow injury. Let's start there. Uh, at this point, uh, how's his health? If OTA's minicamps were going on, would he be healthy enough to participate? Where does he stand with that right now? Yeah, actually, uh, he had surgery, what, uh, probably end of September. And the, the, the thought was always to have him sort of ready for OTA's, at least, you know, throwing a little bit. But uh, for all indications, I mean, he, he released a video a couple weeks ago. I was able to talk to some guys there, and they said the guy's back to where he was. He's way ahead of schedule, He's throwing the ball with some zip, throwing the ball down the field. So actually uh, missing OTAs and some of the summer ball might be beneficial to him because knowing him over his career, he would tend to uh, push things a little bit. Even though he would probably take it slow in OTAs, he'd probably try to go a little bit further, a little bit more, even into training camp too. So uh, being able to pull back and get him 100% healthy. And for all, everything I've heard about him is this this elbow has been in a little bit of an issue the past couple of seasons. You wouldn't believe that from, what, two years ago when he threw for 5,000 yards. So you never do know completely if he'll be 100% back, you know, at least early on. But let me tell you, he's going to be much, much better than the options they had last year. So basically the entire offense, the entire fantasy football people that you could potentially pick on this team is all related to the health of Ben Roethlisberger's elbow. Because if he's there, you're going to have some good people to choose from. If he's not there, you're not going to have anybody to choose from. And thinking about Roethlisberger at age 38 and kind of splitting the difference between the 5,100 yards in 2018 and the 4,200 yards in 2017, if we set the bar around 4,500 yards and maybe 30 touchdowns, is that still a level he can reach with the weapons that are around him in this offense? I would imagine so. Maybe the touchdowns are maybe a little bit high. I don't know how many times he's actually thrown for 30 touchdowns or more. Probably it's not that that many. But, yeah, I think so because you have to take into effect, too, is the guy's kind of hard-headed. And when I say that is he really gets motivated after 17 years or I think 17 years now by people telling him he can't do th- something, people telling him, you know, 
He's not going to be able to throw the ball. So you have to take that into account, I do believe, that the last thing this Hall of Fame quarterback wants to do is go out on his back, so to speak. That's really a motivating factor him to him to be able to come back and show that he is just as good, if not better, than he was you know, at age 34, 35, you know, in those early to mid-30 years when he had some of those monster numbers. So as long as that elbow hang, you know, you know, hangs in there, be able to be healthy and not miss any time, I don't see why he doesn't get some of those numbers of, you know, some of the bigger numbers of his career. Because, you know what, they had a pretty good offense plan last year without Antonio Brown in the mix, and they were able to basically execute that for not really much. I mean, they struggled in unbelievably in New England. Then they played another good team in Seattle. Then it was over. It was it was catch-up mode. Let's rip it up, and let's see what we can do with these other guys. I think they're going to go back to a lot what they had planned to, you know, last offseason, this offseason, which should be an interesting offense. Yeah, you mentioned the offensive structure and the fantasy football structure of this team just getting completely ripped down around the Roethlisberger injury. Nowhere was that clear than with Juju Smith-Schuster. Just wasn't able to do anything that we're used to seeing from him. They weren't able to use him the ways that they want to, uh, going to Mason Rudolph and Devlin Hodges. One of the questions about Juju at this point last year, talent, all that, off the charts, unquestionable, we know that. But the question about him was, can he be the number one? With the spotlight on him, with Antonio Brown gone, can he be that big-time number one receiver? For reasons outside of his control, he wasn't able to answer that question last year. How does that feel going into 2020? That's really an unknown because he never really did it last year. He always had Antonio Brown leading the way, so he was always playing that second fiddle. But, you know, the only thing I could really base it on was last year during training camp and OTAs and stuff like that. And he looked like a guy who would be able to perform up to that capabilities. And it just obviously never materialized after Roethlisberger went out. But don't underestimate now what Deontay Johnson does bring to the table as the number two to be able to help Juju out as the number one type of guy. I mean, I know he got a lot of double teams last year, but it really didn't matter because they just didn't have the quarterback to get it to him. It was basically one read and go. It wasn't any checks at the line of scrimmage. When, say, Juju was in a favorable matchup, you weren't able to do that with quarterbacks that basically two rookies. I mean, Mason Rudolph never put a helmet on his rookie year, so uh, he wasn't really ready for what was ahead of him. So that is definitely the question. But the positive here is he's in the contract year too, depending if they sign him by September, which the Steelers have a you know self-imposed deadline to sign impending free agents before the season starts. So if he doesn't get signed, which it's 50-50 right now, I think, um, you sure believe that he's going to want to go out there and show that he could be a 16, 17, 18 million dollar quarter, but I mean, wide receiver. And that's huge motivational factor of putting up some big numbers. And you mentioned Deontay Johnson before. There's a lot of excitement in the fantasy community about him and quite a bit less for James Washington. Johnson's been the 34th receiver off the board in terms of ADP since June 1st in NFFC drafts. Washington way down at 75. We know this offense when it's working can support 
two fantasy-relevant receivers. Does Deontay Johnson deserve that much more love than James Washington at this point? I believe so because James Washington had a couple years where he's basically, you could tell he's a a little limited in what he can do. He's basically a down-the-field combat catch type of guy. Maybe he'll get you a big play here or there, but he's not consistent enough to be able to be a, in my opinion, you know, a, a reliable fantasy player. Deontay Johnson, now, what did he have? I believe 60 catches last year, somewhere around that number. And I believe that was the most ever in Steelers history as a rookie. But I think the flashes of explosiveness and the run after the catch with him and the able to to make the spot splash plays out of nothing and and the broken tackles which you probably didn't realize that he was able to do so i think that's why there's much more of an upside for a guy like that and you even saw him in the return game a little bit his dynamic ability to turn something into you know nothing into something there so James Washington's had his opportunities, even though he did have a decent year last year. I think he's still their, you know, slam dunk number three guy, and they're going to run three wide receivers more than anything else, but I'm not expecting anywhere near, you know, more than 50 catches. He ain't going to get close to getting anywhere near 1,000 yards, probably not many touchdowns as well, but the Deontay Johnson, I think, is the legit number two that could. And when you look at the number two, just over the previous couple of years, not last year, but two years before that, you saw Juju with, what, 12, 1,300 yards and close to 1,000 yards before that. So they've always had somebody to be able to do that. And all, it's all you have to understand, too, Deontay Johnson probably did not catch one pass from Ben Roethlisberger last year because he wasn't much involved in the offense when – uh, Roethlisberger was out there. So when you add all that up, I could see why the everybody's pretty high on Deontay Johnson. Uh, let's take a move into the backfield here. Ben Roethlisberger, of course, not the only person who suffered injury on this team a season ago. James Conner missed six games due to injury, and when he was healthy, the volume went down. Now, I'll preface this by saying that I think probably a lot of it had to do with the quarterback play and with the fact that the Steelers were playing from behind a lot. But still worth mentioning, in 2018, he had 16.5 carries and 5.5 targets per game. Even if you take out the three games uh, that he played sparingly after coming back from the shoulder issue, he had 13.8 carries and 4.4 targets per game. So a little bit less in the targets, a lot less on the carry. Still, going into this year, do we feel like, even with a mini-emergence of Jalen Samuels, that they're going to treat... Uh, James Conner as an undoubted workhorse, 250 carries, 50 targets, something along those lines? Yeah, honestly, if you look at Mike Tomlin's history, he's never been a running back by committee type of guy. I mean, maybe one year in 2011 when they were forced to it because of injury, but over his career, what now spending 14 seasons, he's been a, you know, he wants that workhorse. He wants to give that guy the opportunity to stay on the field three downs. But the issue with Connor, and I don't have to tell you guys that, but he's been hurt every single year. I mean, he just, it's one injury and after another injury. I think he had three separate ones last year. Uh, the year before that, he's missed games. If he's able to stay on the field and, and be healthy, I think he has the ability to be a top you know, 10, 12 running back in this league because he's that good. You look what he did, you know, I think, against Miami last year. Even in San Diego, even though the numbers weren't huge, he was able to have a couple touchdowns, catch the ball five or six times, running people over. That's what they want from him. 
I don't know. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about splitting it up a little bit and making. I mean, even last year, even last year going into the season, there was talk about pulling back on Connor to make him as healthy in September and as in December. You know, December as in September. And that didn't work out as well. And you have to look at a guy, what they brought in, like Anthony McFarlane. Can he help out with that load? Potentially. But you know what? Those guys have never gotten filled with him yet before. So how is that possible? And they're pretty high on Benny Snell as well. Uh, He played well in Connor's absence last year. But he's a very Connor-like running back as well. So... I think he'll have still a couple carries from him. But if it was up to Tomlin and everything equal and everything, you know, injury-free, they're going to want Connor to touch the ball 25 times a game. And if you look at the history of Connor as well, is once he gets to that number of 17 touches in a game, bad things start to happen. He either gets hurt, he fumbles the ball a lot, or his yards per carry go down a lot too. So if they're smart, they're keeping around the 17 touch uh, parameters here, but I I don't know. I, I have a feeling that they're just going to run him, as Mike Tomlin famously said a decade ago about Willie Parker, until his wheels fall, fell, falls off. And guess what? Willie Parker's wheels fell off at the end of the season, and his career ended shortly after that. And Connor's free agent, too. So I don't think they have any reservations of trying to hand, you know, hand him the ball as much as he's physically able to take it. Of those backups that you mentioned, Snell and Anthony McFarlane and Jalen Samuels, is there one that you like more than the others in the event that Connor goes down with an injury? It's probably going to be Benny Snell because he'll have more of that upper. I mean, what it probably would be would be Benny Snell would be a first and second down back, and they'd have somebody with a third down back. I mean, the interesting guy, as you brought up, is Jalen Samuels. He's a forgotten guy. Last year at this time, when they were putting together that plan of how they were going to move on without Antonio Brown, Jalen Samuels was a big part of this, of being that H-back type of guy who can, you know, double two guys in the backfield, one guy flexing out, being able to use him as a, a pass receiver and a, all different type. I mean, you saw last year, I believe, against Miami when he did a ton of wildcat but it seems like they're a little sour on him, mostly because I think they finally realized he's not much of a running back, actually run between the tackles type of guy. But it was up to Randy Fickner, offensive coordinator. They had, like I said, they had a big plan in for him. I don't know if they're just going to delete that or if he could be a potential sleeper where if Snell doesn't work out, Connor gets hurt again, that he could be that guy as well. So they, they have a a bunch of options, but they don't really seem like very good options. You know, options that are going to get you consistent points. Sort of like the New England Patriots way of doing things. One guy might be good next week, then one week and three weeks following that, it gets you like one point, you know. So that could be the Steelers behind Connor here. So you just don't know. Team brought in Eric Ebron in free agency, signed him to a two-year, $12 million deal. Over the last couple of seasons, he was a red zone monster uh, for the Colts, especially in 2018 when he had 13 touchdowns. In fact, uh, we had Zach Kiefer on yesterday, or uh, an episode of uh, Fantasy Football in 15 last week, one of our uh, Colts beat writers, and he was talking about how much the Colts are going to miss Ebron in the red zone. How should we expect the Steelers to use him, knowing Vance McDonald is also still in the mix? 
Probably every way possible except blocking. That's, I would imagine. <laughs> if, you, if you look, <laughs> I mean that. I mean, I don't think the Colts were kind of. Uh, I don't think they were very shy in going about their business last year of, of allowing him to block. They knew that he wasn't a very good blocker, and I guess that's why Vance McDonald is still a big part of this offense. But the red zone is huge. If you look at the Steelers' numbers two years ago, they were like number one team in the league in red zone. I know this has to do with the quarterback a lot, but last year they couldn't run the ball in the red zone. They couldn't run the ball in short yardage. They couldn't score in red zone. And, you know, Juju was out. They didn't have any experience down there. So Ebron, I think, you know, he he could be a huge get, not only in that regards, but – I mean, Roethlisberger loves to pl- use the middle of the field. He just hasn't had any options over the past five years since Heath Miller retired to be able to use the m- middle of the field. So I-, I would imagine that's a huge opportunity for the Steelers to be able to use a, a an actual tight end that can catch the ball. I think they're going to use him a lot in the slot as basically a big fourth wide receiver type of guy. I don't think they're going to ask him to do much more than that, but his numbers could, if he stays healthy like he didn't, it wasn't able to do last year. I mean, there's potential there that he can have numbers like he did two years ago with the Colts when he put up double-digit touchdowns. So I think that's a huge, a huge get for him. They they had, there's no way they, I mean, they, they even admitted that they didn't think that he would be available to them. And all of a sudden, a couple of days into free agency, Ebron's still out there, and Tomlin loved him when he came out of Carolina. So they went after him, and I think they'll have a nice plan for him as well. So that should be interesting. I, I wouldn't expect much in the way of uh, receptions or production from Vance McDonald, but uh, I think Ebron could be a very impressive tight end in this system. But once again, we go back to the same thing. It's all predicated on the quarterback staying healthy. If he doesn't, Eric Ebron's just another name on the board. He ain't, He's not going to do anything. But uh, if Roethlisberger stays healthy, I think he has a chance to put up some big numbers. There we go. We saw it last year. What happens to this team when Ben Roethlisberger does go down with an injury? Still managed to go 8-8 eight and eight on the strength of that defense. But from a fantasy perspective, nowhere near relevance for a lot of guys who we were leaning on in a big way so fingers crossed that Ben Roethlisberger can stay healthy this season that'll do it for the Pittsburgh Steelers that's our Steelers beat writer Mark Cabali Mark thanks for joining us today all right anytime guys you can follow Mark on Twitter at Mark Cabali K-A-B-O-L-Y and be sure to check out the Immaculate Podcast our Steelers podcast with Mark and Ed Bouchette that'll do it for this episode of Fantasy Football in 15 if you are not yet an athletic subscriber you can get a free 30-day trial at theathletic.com slash football in 15. For Derek Van Riper and Mark Cabali, I'm Michael Beller. Fantasy Football in 15 will be back with you tomorrow. Thanks for listening.